Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Welcome to the Defiant Spirit. I am here with my good friends and partners in Enneagram, Julie Mouse, who you know by now. I'm not even going to bother introducing her since this is like our 20th podcast together, but I will introduce the third of the amigos or amigas, I guess in this case, Katie Clayman. Hi, Katie. Hi. So Katie, just, I know who you are and what you do, but how about just, you know, a 30,000 foot overview of who Katie Clayman is for our listeners. Okay. Um, well, um, most of my career has been in recruiting. Okay. For the higher, the, the business of hiring people. And then Julie actually introduced the Enneagram to me and I went through a Enneagram slash career coaching certification program and now want to share it with people. So that's what brings us all together. I'm glad it does. We have a lot of good stuff that we're doing behind the scenes, um, working with different organizations and companies, bringing the Enneagram through what we call Business 360 and a lot more. But I want to bring it to the to the forefront so people get to experience um, not only the great work of the Enneagram, but your two, your two um, particular you know, vantage points on the Enneagram. So that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to do it in a very provocative way. So mm-hmm. let me be my um my shocking eight self and start by asking the two of you and anybody listening of course a little pop quiz the most f- successful or best-selling fictional books of all time do you can you can you guess what they are actually number one let's just go for number one mm-hmm. what would you imagine the number one fiction book of all time is what might be a, a Harry lot Potter? that's what i was gonna guess too Take that again harry potter Harry Potter is a couple. It's not number one, but it is up there. J.K. Rowling, at least one of them is. You'd never guess this. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's a trick quiz. It's a trick quiz, but then you're going to go, oh my God. And that is, I built it, I built it up now. Here we go. That is 50 Shades of Grey. Oh my gosh. Oh God. That's what an awful, you know, you can't say Is that true? It is true. Google it while we're talking. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey, and then what's the other one? Fifty Shades of Grayer, or something like that. No, Fifty Shades of Worser. So, bottom line, though, I think it's sold almost as many books as the Bible has, right? Like, it's shocking how popular this is. And let's just not be so prudish to think, okay, we would never engage in that because anybody who's listening, maybe you've watched the movie, maybe you've read the book, but if you haven't. You're also, just like the rest of us, guilty pleasures where we like sort of that salacious, that stuff of life. It's been going on since the beginning of time. It's what sells, you know, Danielle Steele novels. It's what sells um, online, not online, um, reality TV shows. Mm -hmm. We all engage in it because there's something that pulls us to that darker, shadowy stuff we just don't always like to admit it. So that's what we're going to explore here. 
not Fifty Shades of Grey, but <laughs> Shades of Color. Now that I'm listening. <laughs> now we have everybody's attention, but yeah, Nine Shades of Color, known as the Enneagram, and that salacious, that sort of juicy underbelly that we don't really like to talk about, but then when we're in it, if we're you know amongst friends, and you're amongst friends right now, that we kind of have to admit it sort of feels kind of good. And each of the nine types has its, what were we calling it before? The allure of the vice. Yes, the allure. Not to our shadow side. That's a great way of putting it, an allure to our shadow side. And just to get into it and when nobody's looking, right? Ah, that just mm -hmm. feels really good. And each nine, each of the nine types has their particular allure, their vice, their shadow side. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to add to before we get in? Um, I think I just add the, the piece that what's so interesting, um, about learning this about all the people is that sometimes we actually encourage people to stay in their shadow side because it's so pay attention as we go through the numbers. If you know someone who's like that, do you actually encourage them to stay in their shadow? Cause you kind of like it. Very Jungian of you, right? Because... <laughs> Jung, you know, Jung's whole idea is that we all have shadow, we all have light. And, and oftentimes we ask people to carry one or the other for us. So like in the family, the black sheep is oftentimes the one we ask to carry a particular shadow. Or sometimes, this is why I'm no longer a rabbi, because I was asked to carry people's light. Carry your own damn light. I don't want to carry it. <laughs> so, Spoken like a truant. Spoken like a truant. And that's why I'm no longer in the, the rabbit. But the bottom line is we have to own our light and we have to own our shadow. And so we're going to be grappling with that as we go through this. Mm -hmm. Anything else we want to add? No, let's do let's it. Do it. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Enneagram one, the reformer, the perfectionist. This Enneagram type, well, I'll let you two. One of you maybe take the light and one of you start in with the shadows. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, let's start with the light then, because, um, you know, we should all be thankful to the ones in our life that they do tend to see things the right way. And they can be such a light themselves, a beacon to what's the right thing to do. Um, and they are organized and methodical and, and that perfectionism. Talk about keep us wanting them to keep in that perfectionism because, it gets things done the right way, which is nice for us. Absolutely. We all need ones in our lives and we need to have that. By the way, anybody listening, you have all nine of these energies in you. Mm. So they're, they're stacked. So this may be, it's not your core type, your top type, but it's in you. And so as we're listening to each of these, pay attention to where that resonates. Mm -hmm. uh, Katie, what about some shadowy stuff of the one? Well, you know, as we talk about the allure of the vice, so the vice of the one is anger. But you say that to a one and they're like, what? I don't have anger. What do you mean anger? But if you say resentment, oh yeah, that resonates. And I imagine if you asked a one who was really in touch, you know, do you, what does it feel like to hold on to that resentment? They, they're honest. They'd say it feels great. I yeah. love it. I love being like judgy and critical about other people and myself. It feels good. Like that's the allure of it. Well, and do you think that maybe 
because they suppress their anger so much, it feels good to finally just let it out a little bit. Oh, yeah. In that channel, like, oh, my God, to come home and to be able to just be free to say that pillow's out of out of its place. The kitchen's dirty. You haven't done this. Like, free to do that? Yeah. It must feel pretty good. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, vindication oftentimes, right? If I was right, see, you got what you deserved. Oh, yeah. While I'm smiling at you saying, I'm so happy, or I'm, you know, I'm, um, I, I'm, I'm really just sort of glad it happened to you, but I'm not going to smile. I'm not going to show it to you and I'll, I'll fake the tears. So there's a vindication. I, I do see this with ones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now ones, you're not alone. Like we're not picking on you, but just admit it. Like, come on, you're among friends here, right? There is that piece where you've spent your whole life with that finger out, you know, do this, don't do that. And mm -hmm. so this is the shadowy stuff of the mm -hmm. one. Well, and then the hiring part that we hire them to do that. Uh, I was talking to my husband about a one colleague of his and he's like, yeah, I totally know that he'll go through the details of the, that, that I won't have to bother to read now because he will have caught it and all these ways that you kind of like that about them. Yeah. Yeah. The, and you know, they like that. They're the ones who might likely say, I told you so. I told mm -hmm. you so. Can you imagine like sitting next to a one at some sort of like networking or luncheon and you're like talking about people? I bet they would have some really good things to say. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right? Oh, that shirt looks terrible. Can you believe they wore that? I imagine that might be a, you know, one cut caught in its place. So yeah, again, the allure of that and then really, you know, working through that, being honest about it. This is hard for a one sometimes just to be honest about what's going on underneath the surface. So can it, part of honesty is just admitting, yeah, it feels kind of good. And I'm kind of happy that this happened to them. I'm going to work through that. I'm going to let it go now. So mm -hmm. isn't about beating up ones. You do a fine <laughs> job of doing that to yourselves. We don't need to do that to you. But it's for all of us to kind of start by looking at the shadows and embracing, facing, embracing, and letting go of the shadows. Should we go on to two? Sounds good. Enneagram two. Tell us about the two, light and dark. I like you starting with the light and making it dark. <laughs> okay. The nine gets well, the light one. Well, it's easy for me to do the light of the two because my mom was a two, but this they're called the giver for a reason, the helper. You're so lucky if you have one in your life because they're thinking about you or what they can do to help you. They actually feel better about themselves when they're helping you. And what a just altruistic way to live your life and just kindness. So most of the twos I know, I usually catch myself being like, oh, I need to do that more, whatever is they're doing, because they're just kind people. Okay. Trigger warning, trigger warning. <laughs> if you're Please know that this is in particular about you. It's about the two, because twos are the ones I hear back from whenever they read my materials on the two or hear my videos and they think I'm personally attacking them. So this is not about you. That's the fine print. Go ahead. Fine print. And also they should know that you strive to be more like them. Oh, which leads into their, you know, their, their vice, which is pride. <laughs> pride? Pride. Doesn't yeah. sound like a vice. Doesn't everybody want to be like me? <laughs> I, I love the, the allure of pride for a two, because you're right, like twos would be like, what? Pride. But if you are a two, just think about how good it feels to know what someone else wants before they know. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. 
They, they're so good at it. They are. They are. And also pride in that I don't have needs. Oh, yeah. You have needs. We'll meet your needs. Don't worry about me, right? This martyrdom dying on the cross piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it must feel good. Again, we hire them mm -hmm. to do it because we we get in this habit of letting them do take care of us because they're so good at it. Uh, yeah, this is probably one of the, the types that you were alluding to before that we enable the most to keep on with that that allure of the shadow because it serves us. Yeah, and to oh, have no need, no needs of their own. Yeah, yeah like if you, if you if you have needs, then I'm not going to get my chicken soup, kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a great analogy. So, I love I love when a two will um, be upset at someone that didn't take their advice or didn't take their help. Mm. And they're just like really upset. And the simple question is, well, did you ask them if they wanted your help? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh. So, but isn't it interesting when you get these pockets of energy on the Enneagram, the one and the two occupy that same, I told you so kind of a space. Mm. It's really the, the space of, I'm right, you're wrong. Now let's back you into that. Mm -hmm. And when I don't want to be backed into that because I'm, you know, the person whose life it is, then somehow I violated what you were giving to me, what I was supposed to do. There's a lot of supposed tos. You know, ones and twos are the ones who shit all over everything. Should, should, should. Yeah. That they what? They, they should. Shit, they shit all over everything, right? Mm -hmm. They shit on you. Should. And should, 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 should doesn't feel good. You know, might, maybe, consider, think about, but not should. Mm, right. Hey, can I quickly take a time out? Is this podcast PG or can we swear or what's the rules? <laughs> I am insulted that you asked a fellow Eric this ridiculous question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Please continue. Um, I, I don't know if I want to say too much more because I might have just lost all my two clients and family members. <laughs> We love you too. As we strive to be like you, I think that's that that does that's true, and it feels good to hear. Mm -hmm. So the allure is also, you know, I love to be in that space where I am helping so much. That is the allure, mm -hmm. and yeah, and then they can also be critical of how they're judged by that. But that I think sums it up. Is that feels so good? It's probably hardest. Well, we can discuss this later, but hardest for them. To, to know that that's not always the best place to be, right? Yeah. Right. And twos, one way out of this trap is just laughter, right? Mm -hmm. To laugh at it, to, you know, as Viktor Frankl says, laughter is the weapon of the soul. Just to be able to not take it so personally and to understand that this is your pattern, this is your wiring. It's not who you are, it's what you do. Mm -hmm. so, right. Enneagram three, the achiever. Mrs. Light, will you take it away? <laughs> oh, I love being the light. Yeah, we're going to light so, you this, this time. Right? Well, yeah, and especially because, you know, I have one son and he's a three and all the rest of my kids are like nauseated by how much I love him. But um, <laughs> he, he is, he's an achiever, right? And achievers um, just... They're like a they're like a light, right? Because they're successful and their energy they they bring the energy up of the room around. When 
my son is around, everything is just a little more fun because he's moving and he's shaking and he's tuning into the people in the room and he's like, sees what needs to be done next that's going to make everybody happier. There is this like nervousness of constant movement and constant, what are we doing next? Um, but it's fun. And, and he always looks good doing it. <laughs> Who doesn't want it to be in the corner of a winner, right? That's yeah, right. Right. It's right. just uh, it's a blessing. Okay, now now destroy the threes. Well, uh, the allure. Okay, so I really want to take this from their perspective. So the allure of their their vice is deceit, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not deceit like they're liars. Okay, remember that threes when you hear that. It's not I'm lying to people. It's I'm lying to myself. And um, from their perspective, the allure of that is. I can be whoever you want me to be and I'll be damn good. You will believe that I am one of you. And that feels really good to walk into a room and to be able to um, emanate any identity. I mean, that's pretty amazing. No wonder why they look so confident, no matter where they are that's or right. what group they're with. Uh -huh. And then they also make the people around them feel good because they are adapting to whatever those people want. And so why would they want to step outside of that, right? Why would they want to have habitual truthfulness or authenticity <laughs> when it feels so good to be whoever you want me to be? Yeah, I mean, each one has this, you know, this vindication, one's perfection, and it feels so good, and two's, you know, the need to be needed, and three's to succeed. And we live in a succeeding culture. You know, America is probably a three culture. And so it's talk about keeping them in the loop of you know um, positive reinforcement for negative actions that's why you see so many professional athletes who are cheating and get caught they tend to be threes because we reward them to hit more home runs and then they take more steroids or whatever to hit more home runs and we pretend like we don't know and then they pretend like they're not doing it and you can just feel this like mechanism at place mm -hmm. buying what they're selling yeah yeah exactly Exactly. So, so threes, but, but it is, it's a, you know, lying is lying. You know, it's, is an eight. I'm very sensitive to this three lie. And it, again, like Katie's saying, it's not that you're a liar. It's that it's, if it's not completely true, that's just a fancy way for saying it's a lie. And when we're pretending to feel the feelings or go through the motions and we're not truly authentically our authentic self, there's a lie quality in there. Mm -hmm. And threes have to stand guard against it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Yeah. Any it other? Is. It is. And you just don't realize. So this is why it's so good for everyone listening to this. You don't realize that you encourage them to continue that lie mm -hmm. by how you promote them. Um, I said, I think I'm one of our earlier podcasts that every time my son leaves the house, I say, I love you for, you don't have to do anything to be loved. I love you just for being you. Yeah. And, and yet, you know, like we reinforce them by saying other things like, I don't care about your grades. And then they come home. How did you do? Because <laughs> yeah. It's like a drug. Doing is a drug for threes. And, and the bottom line, not the experience, not the quality of learning, but the grade. Mm -hmm. That's a thing. We got to be conscious of that. Yeah. Drug of choice. Enneagram for the romantic, the artist, the individualist, the the one who is special, no, there has never been or will be another quite like you fours who are listening. Julie, <laughs> tell us about the fours. Well, the light of the four is that ability to express that emotion, that deep creativity, 
that a lot of us, you know, are too, too guarded to express. In fact, sometimes they express emotions so much, the rest of us are like, oh my God, I mean, how, how can you be so out there with your emotions? But I think that again, that they're a light, they're a beacon to the rest of us that like, hey, you're human. Hey, you feel these things too. Mm -hmm. And we're so lucky that they're feeling them for us and being out there for us so that we can look, you know, we can be okay with keeping our shoved down more. But I think that the light of their four of being that equanimity, there's being okay with everything and, and even their expression of emotion, deep emotion, low emotion, any of them is a really amazing quality. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think a lot of us struggle with especially dark emotions and being with people who are suffering and fours just, they can show up and be with someone who's struggling and really that person feels that they are um, connecting with them. That's like a Zen koan, right? The light of the four is the darkness. Mm -hmm. it's their, it's their ability to tap into that darkness, which makes them so special to be able to mm -hmm. share that and filter it and, and you know translate it into art or empathy or whatever their expression is. All right, Katie. Um, well, the vice, mm -hmm. envy. And, um, and for people who are listening, it's not, I want what you want. It's that um, I, from a force perspective, I am lacking what other people's have, what other people have. And so I think the allure, if I picture the four in these days, they're scrolling their phone, looking at what everyone's doing, what everyone has and feeling so deeply like, ah, uh, you know, just, it doesn't even matter what they see. It's that they're not mm -hmm. right. And that they, It'd be interesting to see how many type fours get hooked into that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, right. They call that with my fours because I have two fours in my house. Emotional cutting. Mm -hmm. Oh, emotional cutting. Oh, yeah, uh, right. There's a cutting, like they're hurting themselves by scrolling through Facebook, and it's just like they just want to feel the pain. But you know, that's part of the allure of like. Right. So that's why so many fours, you know, historically, these these great artists, musicians, writers have gone down a dark hole because you just it's more and more and more. And there's just this downward spiral that you can feel. My heart breaks even just describing it. Yeah, but they love it because it's intense. You know, that feeling, you know, in fact, be that's maybe why we have an affection for them, because they're so authentic. They love feeling intensely. And so eights can identify with, okay, yeah. Yeah, but the difference is, is fours like to destroy, like implode, and eights like to explode. We like to blow shit up. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so an implosion and an explosion, but either way, neither one of those ends up well. And so mm -hmm. I, can, I can resonate with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah right. Any other four allure? Well, just just notice if you're judging a four for their expression yeah. of emotion, if maybe they're challenging mm -hmm. your need to learn to express your emotion a little bit more. Yeah, and um, scapegoating, you know, I think we talked about it before, but the black sheep of the family is often a four. Mm -hmm. So we put all of this on that person to carry the shadow for the family. Right. Or, you know, they're they're dark. They're the dark ones. And uh -huh. so we, we outsource that out of our lives because we don't want to deal with it. They'll deal with it. Yes, right. Taking some of that off of them and owning our stuff. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
Enneagram five, the next door neighbor, which is in worlds apart. If you're looking at the Enneagram, this is sort of the bottom of the Enneagram, not the bottom in a negative way, but this is where the darkness resides, mm -hmm. clustered down here. Mm -hmm. And so four and five, four plus five equals nine. They both have this sort of yin and yang, but all dealing in the darkness of one side is emotion, the fours, and the five is the thinking sort of darker side. Um, but let's start out with the light. So the investigator, the thinker, Enneagram five. Yeah, well, I love this term when they, we call the five the unenlightened Buddha, because they do seem to have this Buddha quality where they're, they are the ones that are the most neutral, truly neutral in opinion on the Enneagram. And so they just have this Buddha quality because they don't get too worked up about things either way because they're in their mind they can explain everything and they can find a logical solution i find i also have a child who's a five and every member of our family she's probably the first person we all go to for advice including the parents mm -hmm. because she's just so adept at teasing out emotion taking the emotion completely out unlike her neighbor the four so that she can see what's a logical answer for um the next thing and so Katie, you can take it away on where that. Real, that. real quickly though, before you do, um, Enneagram one and five, I oftentimes get confused because they both have this sort of quality to them, this yes. logic, but that you named the d defining difference. I, I can move somebody up to the one when they start expressing that anger, especially, mm -hmm. or when it feels angry, like an example, everybody says alone Musk is a five. He's not, listen to him. He's, he's angry, he's intense of a one. Right. Mm -hmm. Or Warren Buffett, they put as a one, but he is truly removed from emotion and he's down mm -hmm. here to five. And so that Buddha piece is really helpful. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Fives and the darker side. Yeah. So their vice is called avarice. And have you ever heard anyone use that? No, <laughs> I, I, I've mentioned that I'd like to change that one. I think so. Or five might. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's greed, but it's it's greed of their inner resources, meaning that they withhold giving, you know, to um, to hold, you know, to like I said, restrain, you know, hold back their inner resources. You know, they have so much energy to give, so they want to keep it and maybe like deal it out in little pieces. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the allure of the vice. It's almost like they must, you know, being short with people or being maybe hold up. Actually, that's what it is, don't you think? Is every time you talk to a five, oh, remember the conversation your husband had with your daughter about, ah, oh, God, it sounds like hell. I can't imagine sitting in a booth all day just writing code. Ugh. And she just looked at him with her eyes wide open and paused and said, well, I can't imagine talking to people all day. That sounds like hell, <laughs> you know? So I think the allure for them is staying in their head. They love it. Well, yeah. and in your head, if you've got everything figured out, there's no suffering. Yeah. There's nothing to get upset about if you've got it all figured out right here, but they don't see that that is detaching. And that's the word I like better than ever is detachment yeah. is if I can just, detach and not pay attention to things I don't want to pay attention to that cause suffering. There is no suffering. Mm. Yeah. And you know, life is lived out in the world, not in your head and out in the world yeah. it's messy. And when yeah. things start to break down and they don't know enough, 
and they need more. They're the ones who get on, on, um, you know, webdoctor.com or whatever, and just start researching the hell and understanding, but then you still got to deal with the reality of the illness or the person who's sick or whatever. So there's this, like this Chinese wall between their knowledge and their experience. Mm -hmm. And, and the other thing that I see with fives is a scarcity mindset right now I was talking to somebody who's in LA and they said they're in the, you know, the Hollywood industry, there's a scarcity mindset. Everybody's afraid for their jobs. You know, they're on strike as we're writing this still. Mm -hmm. And people are starting to really, you can feel that scarcity, that lack sort of zero sum games. If somebody wins, somebody loses and fives can live like this. If they don't stand guard Mm -hmm. living in scarcity, I had a, I had an uncle, a great uncle who was a multi multi-millionaire who I, I use this example often, he used to turn the car off at the top of the hill to save gas and he would coast down in neutral. Like, and he was a five, right? That's, that's a five thing, I imagine. <laughs> no, that's taking it to a whole new level. <laughs> Anything else, the shadowy sides? Well, of just the, that, that idea that we hire. So if you have a five in your life, be careful that you maybe keep them in that place because, you know, if like in our family, if we always go just for the logical answer instead of like pushing your five deeper to touch the emotion, um, that's something to think about with mm-hmm. the fives in your life. Totally. And to um, not give them space, right? You know, they need space to process their <laughs> feelings. And if we just keep coming at them and at them and at them, we're just, in, you know, we're just sending them further and further down this, this five hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Res- respecting that. It's great. So Enneagram six, the loyalist, the loyal skeptic, the devil's advocate, Enneagram six, Julie. Wait a second. Can we switch on this sure. one? Sure. Because I think you have a really good story about the allure okay. of the vice. Great. Okay. You take it away. Okay. So I would just say the light side of the six, and I'll be brief. I love my six friends because I know that when I'm in their circle, they have done their, they, they're safe. They feel, I make them feel safe because I'm in their circle, right? They are the type of person who they're scanning for any threats I know it's called the loyalist, but it's also called the skeptic. And there's lots of different words we call this number. But that's what I love about this type, that they're constantly looking out. And it's not just for self, but for their people. So their um, virtue is courage, is when they can really go into themselves and trust their inner voice, not just everyone else's, but their own. And skepticism from the Greek, you know, philosophical understanding, it's a positive quality. You know, we've turned it into a negative. You're so skeptical. But yeah. there's questioning and examine, you know, Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living. So mm-hmm. they're the examiners of life. And so skepticism as a positive. Yeah, I love that. Right, right. Okay. So, so. Um, Stop smiling. Stop being so nine-ish. You have to be mean <laughs> and dark and dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> ram it in there, Julie. Well, I'm gonna try, but but this whole idea for this whole podcast came from a talk I had with my six niece, who was explaining to me. We were talking about the catastrophizing piece. This when they get stuck in fear and they they're just spinning in their heads, catastrophizing about the worst case scenario. And she said, 
you know, I hate to admit this, but there is an allure and that's where this word came from. There is an allure to doing that catastrophizing. It actually feels good to do it. And it's the first time I'd heard a six say that, in, or maybe the first time I really got it, that, wow, we really do all just get allured by that vice. She said, it actually feels good to just think in my head and churn out all the bad things that could go wrong because then I'm I'm less anxious because I'm I'm doing something, I'm thinking about it. And that just made a lot of sense to me for the first time, because beforehand I would have been like, why would anyone want to sit and just spin about what could go wrong? But she described it so well. And um, I, so that's where I think some of that fear base, they know they actually are taking control by turning through it. So what's another pop quiz? What's the most successful TV show of all time? Um successful tv show fear factor <laughs> seinfeld oh <laughs> um yeah written by a six larry david and then his follow-up is curb your enthusiasm so we've built an entire like genre industry around this like just watch curb your enthusiasm and it's like just churning in that stuff of the six where the point where like i need to shower afterwards because i just like am so like but then i keep going back for more because it's like this <laughs> And yeah, we laugh at it. We think it's it brings us joy. We we think it's funny. And it's we've thought about this, and we've never thought about it. We want to think about it more. So there's the spin cycle that you get yeah. stuck in. And again, we buy what they sell. Most <laughs> successful TV show. True, that's true. But you can see why we encourage this, mm -hmm. and um, we have to be stand guard against that. Anything else about the six? Well, I definitely hire six. The sixes in my life. I, in fact, I because I'm a nine, and we'll get to that, but. I notice that I get to check out more, which is my allure when I'm around a six because they're paying attention, which is so not fair, mm -hmm. which would be good. A good, good for that six friend of mine would be for me to pay more attention, not check out. Totally. Like, you know, when I go hiking, I have a friend who's a six and I try and be mindful to bring the first aid kit. Not that I give a shit about a first aid kit because I'm, I'm an eight, but if I don't, he's going to have to then think about it. And so I try and find ways to take some of the six stuff out of his life. And then I forgot the EpiPen. So it's like, I can't win. Six is yeah, I think that there's a, there's also like a dualistic, like I'm sure your six friend loves hiking with you because you're confident in the need that you don't need anything. And he's got everything else that I, you know, yeah. will need while I'm stuck. <laughs> I went too far. Yeah. Right. Enneagram 7, the enthusiast, the optimist, the visionary, the epicure, lots of names for this dynamic, probably the most dynamic of all Enneagram types. Who's playing good cop and who's playing bad cop? Let's go back to our natural roles. <laughs> good cop it away. Oh, well, I have a lot of seven friends. I think at one point I said, I don't think I have any friends that don't have a lot of seven because as a nine, I just love the energy of the seven and the fun and the excitement that they bring to me. I definitely hire my seven friends to bring that excitement. I feel it in myself when I'm around them. They're just a source of joy. And we joke, why wouldn't everyone want to be a seven? I think they're the most want to be type on the Enneagram when you just hear about their description, because, mm -hmm. you know, why wouldn't you want to just enjoy life? The epicure, enjoy food and enjoy all the travel and fun things you can do. And also, if you have a seven in your life, they tend to plan fun things for you. Um, so they do bring more joy to your life. Mm -hmm. Hey, real quickly, you keep saying you hire friends. 
Like I'm not getting paid and I'm feeling a little like, <laughs> missing out on. So we're going to talk about this after. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> okay. after show notes. <laughs> Bad cop. Um, so their advice is gluttony and not in the way we all think of it. You know, we all think of that, that Monty Python character, you know, just one thin mint, you know? <laughs> um, so, um, but gluttony is to fill up with experiences and stimulation and that's their vice. And I'm sure that the allure of that, even as you mentioned for self and friends is very attractive. You know, why not just steep yourself in all of that? What could go wrong? Right. Totally. Like there's probably very little negative consequence as it seems from doing that. Yeah. My, I have two kids in college right now and they're the, their friends who are sevens are just in over their heads. Cause it's like, unbridled partying and the sevens don't have the current can't turn off the spigot and i see how people lean on them for the good time but you know plays uh -huh. right into that gluttony mm -hmm. yeah um we used to have a friend in high school and college um that um everything was always great every let's go go everything was always great and we got to a point where like can't be all She's fucking lying. <laughs> it can't be always great. What is this? You know, every time I have a problem and oh, no, she's never been through that. It felt kind of um, empty. Mm -hmm. And so the intimacy issue started to be started to come up for us. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And we can play into it by like, you know, eight or sevens will change the topic because when you start getting too close to a deep issue or suffering and we let them change the topic because they're usually they're dynamic, they're charismatic. They almost control the situation or the conversation. And we don't even realize we're being led down a path away from the intimacy that we needed or they needed to go. Yeah. I mean, that happens with me with sevens a lot. I can, I actually can look a lot quieter when I'm around sevens and eights, but we'll get to the eight. Um, because they just fill the space up and then I get to, you know, go to my vice of checking out. So, well, you're holding your own today. So, <laughs> trying to. <laughs> Anything else about the seven before we move on to the eight? So, everybody's least favorite Enneagram eight, the challenger, the boss, the eight hole. Um, Enneagram eight's got some big shadows, like everything they do in their life is big. All right. Good cop, Julie. So that means that the good stuff they do is great too. Like they're very demonstrative. You feel, I mean, my husband's an eight and um, it feels really good to be in the light of his adoration. I'll tell you that because it's a lot. It's, it, they give so much and you feel so safe around them because I've even um, said to Katie, cause she's also an eight uh, that Wow, the, I hope you know how how grateful we are because we usually like make fun of you eight people, but how grateful we are for the way you make us feel when we're around you. If you're in their circle, if you're one of their people, you are taken care of. There's this safety that you could take for granted, but it feels so nice to be in that that the arms of an eight. Oh, so nice to hear something positive for once. About it. <laughs> okay, we'll keep her. 
All right, now shoot it down, Katie. Go ahead. Well, um, the allure of the vice, which is lust, and not in the sexual way, lust. Um, but in the intensity of, I mean, look at, I even like ball my hand up in a fist when I say that the intensity of the vice um, is so alluring. And I'm sure every eight can think back of the times that they have just been unbridled and pick a fight with their partner or get into a debate with someone or anything that allows them to really show their, it, show their lusty self. Mm-hmm. And I love that word, by the way, uh, in my eight way, someone said to me, oh, my God, so-and-so's husband is so intense. And I said, no, he's lustful. <laughs> <laughs> so I really see the allure um, of being completely unaware of my intensity and just letting it go. And I actually do it around eights. Well, yeah. <laughs> Whenever we're together socially, Katie and we'll have to take Todd aside for a little while and like, hey, let's just get this out where no one can hear us so we won't get in trouble. And I'll usually see them be like, you two, that is not healthy for yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> Non-growth moment here. Non-growth moment. The, the other side of that or the other piece of that is um, revenge, right? That's the fixation. And I know I love revenge. <laughs> I love it. I like, I, I fantasize about like how I'm going to destroy somebody who's hurt me, hurt my family, done me wrong. Right. Like just, yes, thank you. I want, and you know, I'll type up the email or the text and I'll be ready to send it. And Ariel is like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> well, it's like too late sent, and then I'll have to pay for it later. You know, I'll have to clean up the mess but I, I don't care when I'm in it because that's a lust. And that's this like crazy loop where how are we supposed to get out? Because nothing can overpower us to bring us back to our sanity because of our lust is so intense for whatever we're fixated on. So, you know, for all of you listening, have a little compassion on the <laughs> Not too much compassion, but a little compassion. Well, and then the way we hire them, um, I have a story about my husband again. His <laughs> There was a work situation where the person in charge, the, um, he's a doctor, so the, the doctors were all pretty upset with how things were being done. And he went to his unhealthy eight and just kind of unloaded in, a, in the not the softest way. And his partners, we were out socially and they were like, you know, we're so glad he did that. Someone needed to do that. They were, I I could see it in action how we hired the eight. They were so happy that he stood up and told that guy how they all felt. And I said, hey, you guys, don't do that to him. <laughs> He's trying not to be that way. Because the truth of the matter is, is when he brings his heart on board, when he comes with vulnerability, he does such a better job. But it feels good to everybody when he sticks it to someone. And oh, that's, yeah. That's why we hire them. Hiring an eight is hiring an assassin. Yeah. <laughs> like the hitman. Hire the hitman. Yes. Take him out. Yes. Yes. Katie, anything else about your people? I could go on and on. <laughs> okay, we won't. Um, we'll we'll give the eights a little bit of a break. And we'll go to last but not least. I would say if you ask people when you come back in the next life, which type do you want to be? We've had this conversation. Most people would either say, I want to be a seven or I want to be a nine. And you have to say nine like that, like if Mr. Rogers would say, and then you a nice little nine, pretty little cloud, right? Yeah, it's because so, they, they don't know the shadow side. Uh, you, you, you know what? Yeah. 
I'm going to take the positive side so we can talk about your feeling of the allure. Yes. Peacemaker. Um, wait, peacemaker. What else are they called? Uh, a mediator. Mediator. Diplomat. So Enneagram mm -hmm. 9. Okay, go ahead. Well, I am also married to a nine, which is funny. So, you know, Julie's married to an eight. I'm married to a nine. We do a lot of role playing to each other. What would your spouse think? Um, but I would say to my nine husband, I wish that I could let things roll off my back like you can. And it is, everyone thinks that nines are so laid back. They're so easygoing. You can bring them anywhere and they'll be okay. Um, sometimes they have a soft voice. I love his voice. It's so soft. He, someone's like, oh, you should be on the radio. Um, it's just this feeling of comfort, of nurturing, of, um, you know, a, a soft place to land. You know, they're just, they're always okay. And that feels good for totally. those of us who are, you know, maybe our, our range, our, our expression range is very, very large. Theirs might be a little smaller. Yin and Yang, eight and nine. Um, in my program, um, you know, Defy Your Number, I have a music, musical genre for each type. And originally my musical genre for the nine was elevator music. <laughs> and my sister got pissed and she's like, elevator music? Nobody likes elevator music. I'm like, it's true, but I'm, I mean, like, so I sort of said I put smooth jazz, like Kenny G, like that was an upgrade. That's better. I like that better too. Marginal upgrade, but yes. Uh. <laughs> well, well, so I was thinking as I was hearing Katie talk, it, it, it feels so good to hear those things. And that's exactly why we stay in that space, because we think that we're loved because of all those things she says. And so we almost don't know how to get out of it. We identify so much with all those things you said, and we think we need to be do those things to be loved that we lose the ability to stick up for ourselves, to, to stand up to someone, to voice conflict, anything that's gonna upset someone, to disrupt the harmony. And so we just avoid those things and we avoid those things. We don't learn the skills to do them. And so what happens? I mean, and we're humans, we feel anger. It took me about 40 years to feel that. But we feel anger, we feel frustration, we feel the resentment, we're in the anger triad, but we, are so disassociated from it because we think we might not be loved. So comes out passive aggressive, passive aggressive, comes out stubbornness. I don't know why I'm not going to do it, but I'm not doing it. And <laughs> no one can reason with you in it. And you end up creating conflict in your relationships because you can't voice the other part of being human, which is frustration and anger and all that stuff. Yeah. And there's a unspoken fuck you. <laughs> right that nines convey when they smile or they say yes i'll do it yeah literally <laughs> unspoken yeah and, and literally inside they're like screw you i'm not never doing this and there's like this satisfying i see it in my daughter's eyes sometimes <laughs> it's the self-satisfaction that she's actually in control and mm -hmm. she's not doing what this eight says she's supposed to do yeah you can't make me can't, can't, you can't even talk to me about it because I might start crying. They're the most immovable objects like on the Enneagram. When they have dug in their heels, you cannot get them too much. Yeah. Yeah. And all this trying to be that story that Katie created for us makes us not think about ourselves. So we 
some we have a hard time making decisions, which can be really annoying to be around us. Like even about mundane things, like where are we going to go to dinner? To dinner? But is this what I described alluring to you? So <laughs> the allure of this checking out is because we, when we check out and can't pay attention, can't make a decision or it feels so good because to come forward, you have to address all the conflict and the reality that life is messy. We'd rather like kind of check out. It's very peaceful in here, people. <laughs> well, the other lure is I see it with my daughter is um, if you tell somebody they're easy for long enough, it becomes like their strategy to get out of hard things, hard conversation, yes. you know, so, and then we'd stop asking them to be less easy, more difficult, more challenging. And so they get a pass. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's feeding the allure. Yeah, it sure does. I could, I think we could say that about every type. That it's a that, pass. That we give them a pass and it feeds into the allure. It's true. Yeah. It's almost becomes mm -hmm. their strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess you could go back through all nine of these and say, hey, this is their pass and this is their pass. So, um, but nines, yep. Nines um, have their shadows just like everybody else. Even if you look at them at first blush and you don't think they have shadows. Everybody has shadows. In fact, in the Talmud, it says the taller the person, the longer the shadow, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes the greater the Enneagram gift, the the farther the curse, the, the shadow goes. But it's hard to see where it gets me into trouble, right. right? It's harder to admit. It took me many years to even notice that it got me in trouble. Well, especially because some of them are more socially acceptable than others. Like eights have been getting into trouble since they were two. And I know what the shadows are, but nines, mm -hmm. right? It's a much harder thing to figure out the shadow of a nine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Julie didn't know until her cabinet doors fell off from her slamming them so much. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> so we all have. Good analogy. <laughs> it could be true, though. Well, um, any final words about the allure of the Enneagram? Well, I just want to add that when um, I love that we got to do this, because as I go, even in this podcast, as I go through and I think about it, it just gives me what I love the most about the Enneagram, which is that compassion for every person. Like we're all doing the best we can mm -hmm. with the way we see the world and we all get trapped in our nine different ways. Mm -hmm. And just to have a conversation where we talk about building compassion for each of those things and making sure we don't encourage people to stay stuck that we help mm -hmm. people find their other space their healthier side and having the courage to look at your shadows is never easy and i do like the enneagram because it gives us a place an operating system to blame it on to some degree right it's not exactly me it's my wiring now as i always say that doesn't excuse my eight behavior but it explains my eight behavior mm -hmm. and to me that's the starting point of changing the behavior Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, my Enneagram amigas, thank you for uh, participating in this and making it so lively. And I, I know that there will be more great uh, Enneagram conversations to come. So, Thanks, B. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks. Everybody listening, jump over to defiantspirit.org. If you go to the Business 360 page, or I think it's the Lead 360 page, you'll find everything you wanted to know about um, Julie and Katie. You can get in touch with them. And until the next time, discover your number and defy your number and live your spirit. Mm -hmm.